I think when people look back at this time in our history, especially in U.S. history, they're going to see a lot of disagreement, a lot of fighting, really. Whether the topic is, should you wear a mask? Should we open the schools back up? Or should we let federal agents grab protesters off the streets? There's just not a lot of empathy going around. People are not taking a moment to step into each other's shoes, to try to see things from both sides. There's a lot going on in the world, a lot to take issue with, a lot to take a side on. But there's also a lot to be grateful for, like all the essential workers risking their lives, clocking in day in and day out to bag our groceries, drive buses, or deliver our mail. These are services we rely on to survive, but we often take them for granted. And that's what today's story is about. Someone showing gratitude when they didn't have to, and setting an example in the process, one that affected a lot of people. And she's 11 years old. I saw him like look at it funny and it was just, it was really weird because he got, it kind of caught him off guard. From Neon Hum Media, this is Telescope. I'm Jonathan Hirsch. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we'll bring you stories of people who are far away, up close, and how each of us are learning to live through this moment. Producer Joanna Clay has this story. Emerson Weber loves to write letters. Usually on the inside, it's just a really one or two pages full of words. I write a lot. And then on the outside, it's an envelope decorated with bright colors and sometimes some glitter glue because who doesn't like glitter glue? I mean, yeah, who doesn't like glitter glue? Emerson is 11. She just finished the fifth grade, and she lives in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. But her pen pals, they're all over. Minnesota, North Carolina, Idaho. A lot are friends and family, but most are folks she's never met. So I usually include a tidbit of information about my brother, Finn. He's younger than me, and he drives me crazy sometimes, but I love him anyway. And I always share what I'm reading. So right now I'm reading the Shadow Children series by um, Margaret Peterson Haddix. And why do you think a letter is maybe nicer than an email or a text? I just feel like it's more personal because they know that you thought about them and took the time to think about them and write them a letter. And during the pandemic, with folks stuck at home, she's ramped up her letter writing. On average, how many letters you're writing maybe a week? On average, it's probably about eight, but now this week, it's probably been about 20. Wow. The hardest part about quarantine has been being stuck at home, unable to see her friends at school. So writing letters has been a source of comfort, a way to keep her friends updated on her life. I'm really thankful for mail carriers right now because they help me get notes to people who I'm not near at the moment. And so I feel like now more than ever, people just really appreciate getting a letter. Emerson didn't know her mail carrier by name, but she knew his face. He came every day and whisked her letters off to pen pals all over the country. And it hit her. Why not write him a letter? 
I just really wanted him to know that people were thankful for him because right now he sees lots of mail, but he may not receive lots of mail. And I wanted him to know we cared about him and he was appreciated. How did you address it? Because you didn't know his name at the time, right? So you put it in the mailbox. So on the envelope, I decorated it really bright and I wrote, um, Mr. Mailman, this letter's for you. Yeah, you, because I'm sure it'd be a little bit of a surprise. Like, wait, what? I usually take letters from this person. I don't get to open them. (laughs) That's awesome. And then what happened when he got the letter? I saw him like look at it funny and it was just, it was really weird because he got, it kind of caught him off guard. So were you like watching through the window? Yeah, we were. We kind of know when he comes during the day, so we did watch through the window. Yeah, and did you see him read it? He still had a job to do, so we like pulled up, and I'm sure he read it later after he did his route, so I didn't see him read it. No, it was pretty long, so he would have had to sit there for a while. (laughs) How long was it? What did you write in it? It was probably one and a half pages, and I just told him about myself. I like it when you write the first letter to somebody because you can tell them all these things about yourself that they don't already know. And so I included lots of that. What kinds of things? Um, Just my favorite color, some instruments I play, and what grade I'm in. Can you tell me those things? My favorite color is blue. I play guitar. And my lucky number is seven because that's how many albums Taylor Swift has out. And she's my favorite songwriter, so I also told him about that. Doug, her mail carrier, was touched. And hours later, he came into the office in Sioux Falls and shared it with his supervisor, Sarah Bell. Well, Doug, he had come in from his route. He was done with it for the day. And after he was done putting things away at his case, he came up to me with something in his hand and he shared it with me. As a supervisor, Sarah assigns the routes. Sioux Falls has 46 city routes, and she makes sure that the carriers are taken care of, whether it's watching out for dangerous dogs or fixing broken mailboxes. Basically, she's there to make their jobs easier. And uh, he said, you know, I think we ought to write this girl back. This is a pretty long letter, and it's, it's pretty cool. So I sat down and read it, and it was just, um, it was describing how appreciative she was that he takes her mail and makes sure it gets to the right person and that he's out there every day um, dealing with the elements and the pandemic, putting himself out there like that. And I just, I found it heartwarming. Doug asked Sarah if she would help him and write Emerson back. So Sarah took the letter home. I did it on my stationery I had there. So I included some stickers in there, um, purple pen, something that I thought she would appreciate as an 11-year-old. And I asked her about her family, and I hoped that they were doing well. And just thanked her for reaching out and for thanking um, a postal worker and how much it mattered to him. Emerson had no idea, but Sarah had already shared her thank you letter to Doug with USPS. It was making the rounds. So we have a a bulletin board here at the station. And so I put it up there and everybody was kind of awed by it that it was um, a real good letter. So I took it and I 
I put it in an internal newsletter called Tokens of Thanks. And it was shared with postal workers across the country. And then the responses started pouring in, and they wanted to know how they could write to her. They wanted to thank her, basically for thanking them. It touched mail carriers all over the country. The small token of thanks to these essential workers who, for the most part, we kind of take for granted. I think a lot of time they're just kind of somebody that you see in the background on a normal basis. And a lot of times I think postal workers don't think too much of it about getting a thank you. Um, but when like the, the postal workers from around the company saw how much one person appreciated it, they wanted to take the time to write her back and just thank her for being her. After Sarah's letter, Emerson started getting more letters from postal workers, a lot of them. So about maybe two or three days later, I Doug dropped off two big boxes of mail, and it was crazy, and they were all personal and long, and I got to read through them. This overwhelming reaction, it touched Emerson. She has a bucket for her letters, but made a special bucket just for the USPS ones. Yeah, I've been saving all the letters I've received throughout all of this, and I'm sure when I'm older, I'll read through them and stuff like that. I was gonna make a scrapbook and like put them all in different places and decorate them, but now there's just so many, I, I it would take way too long, so I've just been keeping them in a bucket. The reaction, it showed that a thank you means a lot right now. The pandemic has thrown mail carriers into overdrive. People are ordering packages at the rate they normally see around Christmas. Luckily, Sarah Bell and her employees in Sioux Falls have been okay. Only a couple have fallen ill with COVID-19 and they've recovered. But according to the LA Times, over a thousand USPS workers have fallen ill from the coronavirus and at least 61 have died. This is Sarah again. We provide them the face masks, gloves, and then we make sure that there's social distancing within the office. I think the biggest thing is to keep them informed. I know the first week, a lot of people were super scared. They didn't know what it was, what was going to happen, how long it was going to last. Um, like we have headquarters putting out information that we can read to the carriers and give to them on a daily basis. Sometimes we were doing up to four talks a day to just keep them in the loop about the news and statistics. The United States Postal Service is chronically underfunded. In fact, no tax dollars go to the agency's operating expenses, which are funded by postage, products, and services. While package deliveries are up, first-class mail is the bread and butter when it comes to revenue, and overall mail volume is down. In a statement back in April, the Postmaster General said that the agency predicts an additional $22 billion in losses over the next 18 months and $54 billion in the long term, threatening its survival down the line. USPS is asking Congress for relief, which President Trump hasn't exactly been keen on. The Postal Service is a joke. The post office should raise the price of a package by approximately four times because they don't raise them. President Trump also critiqued the safety and efficacy of mail-in ballots. 
five states in the U.S., including Washington State and Hawaii, are already nearly entirely vote-by-mail. USPS and local governments have shown confidence in their ability to continue processing ballots. Sarah Bell doesn't like to talk politics, but what she will say is her mail carriers are working harder than ever. On average, they take between eight or sometimes up to 12 hours per day. And as far as packages, I would say at the lower end, about 20 a day up to 175. So it's, it's, it's a lot. They're delivering what people need on a regular basis. Medicine, stimulus, and social security checks. They have a lot of farmers in the area, so sometimes they're delivering a part for a broken tractor so it can get up and running again. It's an important job. It's what made Sarah want to work for USPS. When I was little, I always appreciated my mail carrier. Uh, He had a special role in my life, too. And it was the same one from when I was a little kid until I left the house. Sarah, too, started writing letters when she was around Emerson's age. And then, uh, you know, when when I started my first job, obviously that slowed down because I had to get a grasp on, on how to live life as an adult, but then came back around to it, you know, and joined a couple of online groups. And there's like a, um, a couple on Facebook where we just write letters to somebody that has a birthday. So a simple card. It just, it's amazing how much it'll touch somebody else. I asked Sarah and Emerson the same question at the end of their interviews. What do you hope listeners take away from this story? And they both gave the same answer. Write a letter. Just to go out there and see, maybe pick a person that you could write to. They'll appreciate the time that you take to actually handwrite a letter to them. Um, It's going to mean a lot to them. It sounds simple and sort of tedious. Like, don't we have email for this? But there is something about receiving a letter. It always feels special when I get one. Why not pay that forward more often? Right after I talked to Sarah, I opened Instagram, and the first thing I saw was an image of a woman named Barbara with a sign above her head that read, Will you be my pen pal? It felt like a sign. That sign was literally a sign. (laughs) Barbara lives in a senior living facility in North Carolina, and its operator, Victorian Senior Care, has been flooding its social media with posts like Barbara's, asking folks to consider writing to people in its care. So I figured, why not? I'm getting paper. I'm going to write to a woman named Blondell. She's from Cumberland Village. It's in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And her sign says, hey, my name is Blondell. I like to color, eat candy, and shop. And I mean, same. So I don't have glitter glue, but I do have markers. And let's get this party started. Some things I've included is I'm 33. I live in Los Angeles. I told her I also like candy. I'm currently obsessed with Trader Joe's gummies and um, I included my pro tip, which is putting them in the refrigerator because they are delicious when they're cold. So I'm just trying to think of things to write to someone who has no idea who I am. And then 
Um, I'm going to ask Blondell a little bit about herself and then send this off. So I'm taking a cue from Emerson right now and drawing, but I just drew <laughs> such an ugly flower. But I feel like, you know, at least I tried. Oh my God, these flowers are truly sad. Now putting in this in the mailbox. And it's off to Blondell. A big thank you to Emerson Weber and Sarah Bell for taking time to talk with us. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, nothing. No tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. This is the 49th episode of season one of Telescope, which means I can't believe this. We have only one left coming up this Friday. Before we leave you today, I want you to know, if you didn't know already, that we do a lot of other things here at Neon Hum besides Telescope. And we're producing a whole set of shows that are coming out this fall. And recently, we partnered with a number of media organizations to produce new shows like Motive for Murder with NBC and Dateline. If you're interested in other projects that Neon Hum has under our belt, you can go to our website, neonhum.com, and sign up for our newsletter. You'll find interesting behind-the-scenes detail about the stories we do here on Telescope, but you'll also hear about all the other great shows we have for you. So check us out, neonhum.com. Telescope is made possible by the world-class team of producers, editors, and engineers that make up Neon Hum Media. John Asante is the managing producer of Telescope. Today's episode was produced and reported by Joanna Clay. It was edited by Vikram Patel and Catherine St. Louis. Our engineer is Mark Bush. Thanks to Matt McGinley for our theme music and to Blue Dot Sessions for additional tracks you hear on this episode. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Neon Hum Media. You can also join our Facebook group by searching for Telescope. If you like this show, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Jonathan Hirsch, and we'll see you on Friday for the 50th and final episode of Season 1 of Telescope.